And what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Sean Hope. I am the host of the University of Mobile Athletic Podcast. Well, abbreviated UMA Podcast. And today we have, for the first guest, Miss Abigail Mills. Abby, how are you doing? I'm very well, thankful. Thank you. I'm super thankful to be on this podcast. Um, super excited about what we're going to be talking about. So thanks for having me. Hey, of course. You know, I just wanted to sit down and talk to you because I know that you're really well known here on campus. A lot of people know you. A it's lot a of people, small campus. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but a lot of people love interacting with you. And I know that every time I see you, there's always smiles that are gathered around you every time at games, whether it's at games or just events that you put on. But we just wanted to sit here and just talk about what got you here. Yeah. Like where you're coming from, because a lot of people don't know. Well, if they talk to you, they know that you're not from Alabama. Uh, it's kind of a giveaway. I don't know. I, I, whenever we have a UM day and I usually usually um, host the student panel, mm -hmm. I always start by saying, hello, my name is Abby Mills and I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> and it takes about two seconds for people to like suss the fact that I'm like joking with them. But mm -hmm. I get at least one or two every time. Mm -hmm. Solid. Yes. And so you grew up in London, England, correct? Yes, sir, I did. Mm -hmm. And how was that? How was that transition? Well, let's just start from the jump. Like, yeah, how was it? You grew up. You have four older siblings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, well, there's five. So five. I'm, the, I'm the youngest. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of of six, and um, that's that's an experience in and of itself. I tell you that. But yeah, grew up in London. Um, what I usually describe as being like a cultural melting pot. And so mm -hmm. just by nature of living in the city, mm -hmm. I had friends um, and acquaintances from all walks of life. And so people from different cultures and people from different like mother tongues, just super inherent to me in the way I grew up. And so, yeah, it just has some really awesome interactions with some really great people. And I think um, that just kind of broadened my love for people and my heart for more. And I think even seeing that there's more than what I grew up knowing mm -hmm. um, made the transition of moving elsewhere a little bit more um, interesting and made me want to do that a little bit more, I think. I got you. And so you have you have a passion for soccer. Was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that like your source to get out of your area or what is your city? Was it like a home city where everybody just wanted to stay there like their whole life? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it's kind of a, a yes and. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up right by the Emirates Stadium. So back then before the Arsenal, big, big team back home, soccer team, mm -hmm. um, before they built the Emirates, there was Highbury Stadium. And we literally lived a stone's throw away from Highbury. And so I used to practice there. Um, I used to see the players coming in and out. I could literally see it from like our back balcony. And so um, just the love for that team, when I started playing soccer myself, um, just kind of said, I would love to play for the team that I can see from my bedroom window, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the Lord being so sweet, he allowed that to be the case for the first, like, eight years of my of my elite career. And so that was super, super cool. Mm -hmm. And so, like, growing up with your love for soccer, did you, what was the plan? Were you trying to stay there and then become professional? there or what was the whole idea? I know it changes throughout yeah, time. Yeah, no, course. it does. Uh, but it's a great question. I mean, I think when I actually started playing for Arsenal, I was like, oh, goodness, wait, this is just something that I love doing. Mm -hmm. But you're telling me there's an opportunity for me to do this professionally, perhaps get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's run with it. Let's see where this goes. You know, I come from a pretty academic family. And so the reality was that 
what was familiar to us was that you just do well in academia. You excel yeah. in your studies and then you go on and, you know, you get married, you have the kids, you get the house. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of broke the mold in the fact that I said, hey, actually, I'm going to do the whole academics thing, but I'm also going to do athletics. Mm -hmm. And so my family kind of just, you know, had them in tow when I started navigating this really, really like uncharted territory. Um, and so with Arsenal and then soon into my Arsenal career, made my international debut with the under 15s. So getting to travel with them was kind of like, whoa, like this could be a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so when I kind of had a big picture of what my life could be like, um, I think I always said I'd love to play for club and country for X amount of years. But then, as is the case for any young woman that watches Bend It Like Beckham, especially if you're a Brit, mm -hmm. um, I kind of said, man, like, I wouldn't have done it all if I didn't go out and play in the States. Mm -hmm. And so I remember a year being set up at, like, ridiculous o'clock with my sister and watching um, a lot of the girls with, um, you know, the the national finals, which was great, um, and then watching... Uh, just, just watching the game and and how professional it looked, I said, man, that, that's got to be where, where I go next. And so after I was done with Arsenal and then played with Chelsea for a year and had a lot of like pro experience, played with like World Cup bronze medalists mm. there, just like experience you can't buy, mm -hmm. um, had a chat with the manager and she just said, Abby, look, absolutely. We've got like the creme de la creme here at Chelsea. It would make sense for you to go out and get some experience, not only as a player, but as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and so set my sights for the States and um, Mobile, Alabama was not, was <laughs> not where I originally intended to go. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually a couple of days out from signing my national letter of intent with Oregon. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was all like almost signed, sealed, like so close to being delivered. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got a call from Richard Moody at South mm -hmm. and he was just kind of like, hey, Abby Mills, heard about you. Um, would love to come and meet you and speak to your family and just cast a vision about what we're doing at this mid-major program. Mm -hmm. Like have a great history, um, but we want to take this program even further and we think that you could be someone that can do that. So, ah, okay, great. Literally within like, oh my goodness, like X amount of hours, they'd flown into London and were in our living room. So just there, there was a level of intentionality in the whole recruitment process that we hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And so when you're making a decision, like going overseas without family, things like that really do make a difference. And so we already had our, our ears pricked at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so they spoke us through the whole program and whatnot, and it was great. But then I'll never forget the assistant coach, Mark Foster at the time, um, just as they were leaving, he turned around to me and he said, hey, Abby, like, I don't know where you stand with the whole faith thing, um, but I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, became a believer when I moved out to the States. He's um, from Europe as well. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, I really believe that the Lord can do much with your yes. Like, if you were to go and trust him and just, and allow him to challenge you overseas, even if that's not at South, mm -hmm. um, you're going to see a lot more of him. And I was like, oh, okay, great, great. My mom, on the other hand, heard him say the L word, the Lord. She was like, you're going there. Um, <laughs> and so literally that evening we signed with South and decommitted elsewhere. And within months we were in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. And I see, well, I found your bio oh, on goodness South. Oh, gracious. And said, in 2018, you made five starts in 16 games, scored two goals, both game winners for four points, open season with game winning goal and 1-0 win over UAB. Oh, yeah. They have a good team. No, I'll tell, tell you one thing. That 2018 year was crazy because mm -hmm. um, 
when I first got here, what a lot of people don't know, and now that I've finished playing, I don't mind talking about it at all. Okay. Um, NCAA actually disqualified me. I was ineligible because of my, what they deemed uh, professionalism status. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, hey, we uh, you can't play. So um, I practiced with the girls and I trained um, and I felt like I had something to prove because not only have, the, have these coaches like gone and got me from elsewhere um, and there are a lot of seniors on the teams that were already like trying to prove their point. Um, but now I can't play. I can't, I can't add to the team as they've claimed they brought me here to do. And so mm-hmm. that did a lot to me mentally. Um, and so I just, I worked super hard to the point where I like tore my hamstring. Um, oh. yeah, not <laughs> really, just really not good mm-hmm. start. And so I remember that year I was just like wrestling with injury, um, had a knee surgery that same year as well. And so in terms of like stats, man, that was, that was not the year that I wanted, um, by any means, but in terms of growth and turmoil, but resilience, that was one of the the best years of my career, for sure. And so fast forward, because you you made a difference at South, and what made you want to go somewhere else? So I graduated in three years at South, mm-hmm. um, which was great. Loved my time at South. Um, and when it came to looking um, at what was next for me, South academically wasn't really what what I needed, number mm-hmm. one. Um, and number two, I think just the years that I'd put in and, and a lot of a lot of behind the scenes at South just meant that I think the Lord made it abundantly clear that he was done with, with what he brought me there for, which mm-hmm. was great. Um, which kind of left me in December in this really like, oh Lord, like where are we going? What am I doing? Um, just an island, really, just mm-hmm. not really having any prospects. I'd flown out to a couple schools because I still had a year of eligibility, was really close to moving to Texas. Mm. And the Lord was like, mm, no. <laughs> um, but I'd record a lot of conversations that I had throughout the year um, approaching graduation. And it was the likes of faculty who were at South and actually came back to Mobile mm-hmm. or graduate from Mobile and came to South and just kind of said, hey, Abby, I think Mobile's your place. Mm. I think you're going to find your people there. I mean, I was known as somewhat of like, the Jesus girl at South and I walked into the locker room and and really didn't find any Christians there and and the Lord was really sweet and just um just really just calling people to himself while I was there and that was really cool to see um but then that was kind of what they people knew me for and they were just like hey I think if the if you feel like you're supposed to be mobile then the university mobile is maybe somewhere you should be looking and so um just a host of things happened and fell into place within literally a super short space of time um like the likes of brenda hinson who makes the impossible possible oh yes um and that really served as affirmation and so found myself in mobile after um some emails and talking to coach coach pp and um yeah, prayfully just asking the Lord what was next. And Mobile, Alabama was where I was going to be again. Yeah. So two stories. One with uh, Brenda Henson. She was yeah. my point of contact oh. to get into my master's program. Yeah. And like she was the only person that was like on top of everything. Oh, yeah. She emailed me immediately when she was available. And two, I remember I was talking with David, uh, I think, prior to the season soccer season and he was like yo we got this girl that's coming in that she's played professionally she's from england and i was like oh for real and then i saw you play the few games that you did and i was like oh no she's the real deal Uh, uh, nah you kill it and one thing that i like to point out about university mobile especially for the athletic department is we get so many foreign players oh yeah 
And it's ridiculous because we're representing oh, yeah. like how many countries on the men's soccer team. It's like. Couldn't even tell you. Couldn't even tell you. It's between like, between 53, 57 odd players, like you'd be mm-hmm. you'd be surprised like how many corners of the earth are represented there. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Those, uh, it was the semifinals when we were hosting for this year, the mm. NAI. And there was a guy on the other team that was from Tokyo. And mm. I was like, I bet he never imagined that he would be playing oh. soccer in Mobile, Alabama. You couldn't script it if you tried. <laughs> Could not script it if you tried. No mm-hmm. way. So how was the transition from South to University of Mobile? Was it a weird transition? What kind of stood out to you that first semester? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think a lot of people, when they talk about transition, ask about the transition from moving from London to Mobile. And mm-hmm. that's that's a super easy question to answer simply yeah. because it's been asked so many times. I still got questions yeah, for that too. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very few people have asked about South to Mobile. I mm-hmm. think um I think I, I walked onto this campus super open handed, um and and somewhat expectant because never in my life had I been at an institution, an academic institution at that, who openly professed Christ, right? Yeah. Number one. Um and so just being able to see that um just cohesion of faith and and career and calling that was exciting for me um i think the campus is beautiful Mm, i think regardless of who you are even if you go to Kerry, like you can't (laughs) you can't step onto this campus and and deny that and so that obviously drew my heart little things about like walking around campus and hearing worship music like i fell in love Mm. um and then of course you meet professors or you have your first class and in grad school um with a super small cohort it was just really awesome that you were known mm-hmm. and you were invited to know others. And so um, I remember talking, literally going through the syllabi for the year mm-hmm. um, and just reading about how the gospel is integrated into everything that's taught. And I was just like floored at how the world is so um, like so decisive about separating academia and faith mm-hmm. and doctrine. And this institution does such a good job of being anchored by it. And so yes. when I first got here, that absolutely blew me away. And then meeting professors and seeing how invested they are, not only in what they're teaching, but their students. I, I was just so reassured that this is where the Lord wanted me. So um, yeah, I love the smaller campus. I loved the people. I love the opportunities to get involved and know people. Um, it was, it wasn't like seamless, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot easier than I think it would have been anywhere else. Yeah. And I would agree because when I came in, because my high school, we have like 20, 25 kids in a class. Yeah. And then I came here and it was like the same amount. It honestly didn't feel like it was college to me. It yeah. felt more like I was at home. Absolutely. And that was for both undergrad and masters. Cause I mean, well, my masters is online, which is. Also great. I love it so much. Smile. (laughs) But yeah. No. So your transition from South to Mobile was kind of like, you would say, a more home welcoming environment. Absolutely. And I mean, that first year, granted, I started in January 2020. Mm -hmm. That first year was great. Just meeting the girls, learning about the institution, learning about the history, which I think is massive here. Mm -hmm. I think you grow deeper in love with this place when you understand um, the shoulders of those who you stand on. And so I think that's really that's really coined in the women's soccer department. Um, they just have this real familial aspect with their alumni, mm-hmm. um, which is super cool. And just to see some of the alum that had already graduated stick around and still want good for the program, 
um, was was really awesome to see. Um, and so so that was that was great for me to see as well. And I really enjoyed that aspect of of being here. Mm-hmm. And so now we'll talk about the transition from London to the States. Yeah. But it's really just like one. This is a question that I was thinking of really is just culturally. How is how is the difference between London and Mobile, Alabama? Yeah, it's it's unique because you've got to remember that that the South doesn't represent the entire country, right? And so there is Southern culture, which is unique to its location. Mm -hmm. Um, There are Southern sensibilities that you won't find elsewhere. And so I had to learn that. I learned that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I remember my first trip to uh, Walmart um, (laughs) and I was walking into Walmart and and a guy just said, good morning. And I said, I said, who to the what? Because in <laughs> London, that isn't that isn't a thing. Really? And and maybe that would have been a thing like years and yonks ago when I was younger. But the, the nature of the city and the culture that is now taking form, it's a lot more individualistic mm-hmm. than it is communal. And so just smiles at the local Walmart or like a good morning or uh, have a great day. I said, oh, okay, that's Southern hospitality as I've heard on Netflix, you know? Yes. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the humidity. My goodness <laughs> gracious. Oh man. I've been it's... here four years, almost five, and I'm still not used to it. Um, and so growing up in London, England, where you have four seasons in a day, mm-hmm. um, dressing for the humidity was a real challenge for me. Uh, because it rains as well. It rains. There's tropical storms. I don't know what that is. Never in my life. It's okay because um, that happens like in in a week span. Yeah, All of that happens. Yeah. Yes. And what's crazy is that when the when they were pitching Mobile, Alabama to me, they said, "Oh, it's great. Sun's <laughs> out most of the year. Most. Super warm. It's like literally less than an hour's drive from the beach." Um, did not mention it being the rainiest city in the country. Yes. Like it usurps um, Seattle. And and so they, they left that bit out and rightfully so. <laughs> they tried yeah. to give you a bunch of positives and then they were like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, uh, the one negative. But I mean, yeah, Southern uh, hospitality is a thing. I didn't realize that until like I went to Virginia and they were like, he says, yes, ma'am. And oh, no, yeah. ma'am to everything. And oh, we don't yeah. understand it. And I was like, I thought that was just what? Everybody did, but apparently in some states that's actually disrespectful. Yeah, which no, I I, I've learned that too, and and I grew up saying yes sir, um, and and no sir, and and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the southern the southern sensibilities really were comforting to me because I don't know for whatever reason it just added a layer of safety for me. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that for sure. Mm-hmm. So your original plan was to go professionally. Correct. Go to go to the states, play, and then come back. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that was. That was what was left on the table when I left um, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And so the understanding was, hey, you're going to go out, you're going to get yourself a few rings, get yourself a degree <laughs> in the process, and come back home and just be ready just to play pro. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As I played out here, that that dream for me dwindled, not because of opportunity but more so just like desire. I mean, I had been seen and done far more than I ever thought I would with soccer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I started off saying that I never even imagined that something that I loved doing could be something that I did full time, you know? And so yeah. um, by virtue of being able to do all of that on the front end of my career, the whole professionalism aspect, um, 
I'd almost ticked all the boxes I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to, to being out here, I was literally doing it for the remnant love of the game. So what I had left of the love of the game. And mm -hmm. then when you, you get deeper into um, the sports uh, and, and it really does take a toll on your body. I mean, like I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I've got two new knees essentially. You know, yeah. I, make, I make that joke all the time, <laughs> but like it, the history of, of the level that I've played at for the duration I've played it at, mm -hmm. um, it does take a toll. And so it makes enjoying the sport a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was ready to bow out, the decision was I wanted to do so without resentment towards the sport. I wanted gotcha. to, to have loved it and to leave it with gratitude more so than um, waking up. Yeah. Waking up every day, like with ails and pains and, and not feeling like the sport was giving back to me what I, I thought it, I deserved. So yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, when did like that your transition happen when you were in college? You were like, I want to do something else or what gave you more opportunity? And you were like, oh, I have so many more things that I can do. Oh, yeah. Um, and you just you just look back and you see how the Lord is just so intentional with the way that he orchestrates every detail of our lives, you know? And so, like I said, I came here December 2020 and oh, no, January 2020, sorry. Mm -hmm. And that is... Um, just a few months shy of when COVID hit, right? Oh, yeah, and so yeah. my first year here, um, you know, January is pre-season, you're running and it's it's really like not for the faint hearted, you know? And then, mm -hmm. and then everything shuts down. Yep. Like the world shuts down. Mm -hmm. None of us were prepared for that. Like nope. none of, there's no rule book, there's no guidance. Um, and so I think in, in that season, there was ample time to think, mm -hmm. ample time to, to, you know, forecast my desires into the future and kind of have a blueprint of what I'd want ideally my life to look like. Um, and I think that amount of time gave me opportunity to think more so than had COVID not hit, you know? And so with that in the back of my mind, when things start opening up slightly and we start playing that COVID year and whatnot, um, and then... I'm just wrestling and I'm I'm wanting to be present every day and be there for the girls and lead well mm -hmm. um, and fight. But COVID is making everything a lot more difficult mm. relationally within the team. Like n there is no rule book or there's no guidance on how to deal with the, the normal um, ebbs and flows of being on a team. But yeah. that in a pandemic, you know, like mm -hmm. it was super hard. Like as a captain, as a leader, how do you encourage your teammates? How do you tell people to go work out? Like mm -hmm. how do you... Um, you know, just just offer that glimmer of hope in a season where you have no idea how long this thing's gonna gonna take its toll for, you know? And so yeah. um, that was an interesting challenge. Um, but then I think the Lord was really gracious to me in in that second knee surgery that I needed because mm -hmm. it almost made it like a no brainer, you know? Like I was, I was working hard on rehab and I was working hard before rehab. And in my head, it was like, Abby, what are you working hard for? to get back to play, is that what you really want? And 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 then came a, a host of difficult um, conversations with the Lord and with people that I love. Mm. Um, and it just, it became eventually abundantly clear that, hey, you're about to move into a different season of life. And and there, there isn't a lot to be scared about because the Lord had already set a bunch of things in place, which is kind of the, the question you were asking. And so, um, you know, being on the campus and like you said it's it's super small and super easy to get involved yeah um a slew of opportunities opened up mm -hmm. to the point where i'm now sat in three different job titles um <laughs> and and that very conveniently occupies the time where i would other otherwise be missing soccer you know yeah and i mean for the most part when it comes to 
seasons. Like a lot of people, the generic definition is like you're in school and then you go to college, then you start your life. That's it. But, you know, with my time at the University of Mobile and well, just in college in general, it helped me learn that there's there can be small seasons that come into your life or opportunities that present themselves that you can take. And it lasts like five years. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when people ask you that question, what do you want to do in five to ten years? It's like you don't know what's going to happen between five to ten years. Yeah, absolutely. So finding those opportunities and knowing that there is a lot of things that you can do and accomplish is very vital when oh, it comes yeah. to school, especially oh, yeah. well after school as well. But um, yeah, your title is it says that it's house and graduate assistant for Ingram Hall and University Ministries. Yeah, there's that, and then there's also the GA for women's soccer. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and and a slew of other things that I could describe and you wouldn't believe. So and that was after COVID <laughs> when uh, all this happened. Yeah, so that was after COVID. So last summer, um, when I wasn't able to go home, um, Abby Henderlight, who's awesome, and she works in uh, student life. She's an area coordinator. She kind of said, "Hey, um, you know, there's an opportunity for you." who's been serving on the campus. And while I was playing soccer, I was still serving on the ministries team as a student. Um, she's like, you can work over the summer if you want. Um, and that was going to be, um, it's just like the intermediate um, staff person for the huge camps that were here. Mm -hmm. So that was great. Um, and in that time, I was also applying for the housing position, just thinking, okay, if, if I'm not playing soccer, how else am I going to go to school financially, all that good stuff. And so that opened up and, um, and then I think student life were really, really intentional about not just giving me position, but positioning me where I'm best wired and, and utilizing the way that I'm wired. Yeah. And so there was a recognition of my desire to, to serve athletes and being an athlete, being relatable in that capacity. And so um, there came like the, the kind of speci specialization of like athletic ministries, um, but obviously serving on the ministry team, title changed and, and personnel came in and people went out. Um, and so, yeah, it just all kind of fell in a really neat way to where I was serving in housing and specifically in soccer and then ministries campus wide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And would you say that, say like two years ago, Who? do you think that you would be doing what you're doing now? Would I have been able to write that down on paper? Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. Um, but if I'd have been, if I'd taken a second two years ago to not be as busy as I was and actually think about it, mm -hmm. it would make complete sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, and, and people will say, Abby, like, you're so busy, like, you got so much going on. Mm. That's true. But I've never been more affirmed of, of who I am and where I am as I am in this season. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the busyness is, is par for the course, you know, like we are all college students and we are all busy to some degree. Oh, yeah. Um, but it everything that I have on my plate is necessary in this season. And so um, I think it's just been a juggling act of, of OK, so I've got this analogy, right? And so um, in life you have... Um, a mixed bag of responsibilities and these responsibilities look like glass balls or plastic balls right yeah. and so the glass balls are the things that as you're juggling if you were to drop them uh they'd shatter and that maybe that could be detrimental to you or others mm -hmm. and maybe something you may not even be able to get back mm -hmm. but the plastic balls are the things that if you were to to drop them they won't break they won't shatter yeah. and perhaps you can pick them up at a different time mm -hmm. or with a little bit of wisdom you'd see okay this is a plastic ball maybe i don't have to juggle this right now i can 
set it down mm-hmm. at a more opportune time, I'll pick it back up. Yeah. Um, and so being able to to rationalize what are my glass balls in this season and what are my plastic balls, mm-hmm. what are essential, what can't I drop and what can give way right now has mm. been absolutely centrifugal to my functioning mm-hmm. this semester. Um, but by nature of who I am and the positions that I I fulfill on this campus and beyond, um, I've had a lot of glass balls in this season. And so it's just looked like stretching and growing, mm-hmm. um, a lot of resilience, a lot of prayful, tearful nights, but an awesome support system that really kept me up when when it's been when it's been hard. I got you. I got yeah. you. Yeah. And I mean, it really goes back to just prioritizing. Yeah. And that's, that was a great analogy for prioritizing because even this semester alone, with my graduate assistantship, um, I have to literally put on my calendar what I'm doing, all the dates. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then see, even planning this, because this oh, is yeah. not something that we could just, I could text you a day prior and be like, hey, you want to record tomorrow? And clearly with your schedule, that wasn't going to work. And I knew that. You make an incredible point. I mean, I live by calendars and alarms these days. Yes. Is it a way to function? I don't know. But for right now, who I am and where I am, it's working great. Yes. It's, so it, I'm, I'll take that. It's making life a lot easier That's for right. both of us. But so you said that you do other things as well. And yeah. you mentioned to me off mic about you doing things with Griffin's Academy. Yeah. 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 And can you elaborate on that, please? Yeah. So um, the Academy is, is, it's, it's awesome because um, where, it's, it could be so easy to feel like Mobile isn't home. It really is. And so I am the director of coaching at Griffin Academy. And so that is um, like an umbrella under the umbrella of Mobile United Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awesome because I get to see the next generation of talent from grassroots up, you know? And so yeah. I've got these three-year-olds to eight-year-olds. The three-year-olds I call like dirt eaters because they, I have them out there and they literally just want to eat the grass some mm. days. And that's great. <laughs> um, but literally being able to shepherd them from that early age and see that development into them playing travel ball mm-hmm. and potentially going to college and more so than just soccer, seeing their confidence mm-hmm. and seeing them interact with other players and seeing them wanting to go out there every week and, and just really enjoy the game. Um, that has reignited my love for the sport more so than even playing the last few years, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, another responsibility, but one that just is so refueling and, and so energizing and even getting students involved in that and having them, um, reinvigorate their love for the game, especially the soccer players. That's been awesome to see. Mm-hmm. How did you get that connection? How did you make that connection? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just people that love me and, and have my name in their mouths, honestly. So one of the staff members at South Alabama knew one of the directors at Mobile. Mm-hmm. and kind of said, hey, like there's this girl and she's a great coach and um, she has plenty of coaching experience back from back home and she plays and she's a good leader. And he told me all this stuff. I'm not saying it about myself. Um, and, uh, (laughs) and he said, you would be, you'd be crazy not to hire her sort of thing Mm -hmm. or just get her in and around, you know? And so I got a call from, um, from, from one of the directors and just said, Hey, we would love to have you part in some form, Mm -hmm. um, at this club. And so that was awesome a couple of years ago. And now, um, now that we've got the Academy established now setting my sights to, to start a summer league, a semi-professional summer league for the women's side, um, and trying to expand the club and, and really make mobile, uh, a known and household name, um, 
for for growing and developing talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the people in Mobile deserve that. I think this city is is awesome and it's got great talent and has given me so much. And yeah. it only makes sense that I would reinvest in the place that welcomed me with open arms. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of athletes that came out of Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. They're like professional ones. One is DeMarcus Cousins. He's in the NBA. Yeah. And then there's um, Julio Jones in uh, NFL. Yeah. I think there's one more. And there's like a boxer. Dante Wilder is from Mobile, Alabama. There a professional you go. boxer. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of talent. It's just the having the ability to right. gain that right. and just show that showcase that to 100 percent and i mean like i i know personally some some great talent jeremy reeves who's playing for washington right now he played at south and i knew him personally and mm-hmm. you know he's a pensacola boy but mobile is 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 where he became you know an nfl yeah. prospect you know and so um even the boys at south that play football now um, really excited to see them potentially go on and enter the draft. And again, this place is, there's something special about Mobile. I say mm. that often. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me, Abby, what are you doing in Alabama? Like, yeah. Come on, Abby, like you could be anywhere else. Like, yep. mm. And and I really believe hand on heart, there is something super special about Mobile. Mm-hmm. And originally when I graduated high school, I was like, I don't want to live in Mobile. I want to get out oh, and yeah. go to a different I mean, school. I that. Yeah. And so, but God saw other opportunities for oh, me yeah. and he put me here and that's fine. I'm totally fine with it. I wouldn't change it for anything. Same here. But so like now your time here at UM, what has God taught you through this time? That is a loaded question. Yeah. You can, you, you can break it down. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in, in certain seasons there have been messages that have been like staple to mm. A, my survival and B, my growth. Yes. Um, if I could, I'm going to try and like kind of surmise that in a nutshell and say, A, that God is who he says he is. Mm. Um, and I, I really believe that if we were to believe that he is who he says he is, mm-hmm. the way that we view him, self and others would be radically transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, that God is faithful, that he provides. Um, like I, I'm, I'm out here living in a foreign land away from family, away from friends, away from home comforts. And there's every reason as to why like this shouldn't have worked out for me. Mm-hmm. And it has. And even when in the season where I think it, it won't, um, he always just shows up. Yes. And, and and I don't say shows up is in a way of saying like he wasn't there and then he came like he's been present throughout. But then there are times where like he makes his like saving and provisional hand like so abundantly clear um so there's that and then i think third i'd say that he is still in the business of saving Mm -hmm. um we have been and i'm gonna get a little bit choked up we have been so blessed to see that on this campus even this semester Mm. um and the lord has shown me that wherever i've gone like he's shown me that at south in a locker room full of unbelievers or atheists or people that are questioning mm-hmm. to see um, girls then become believers and then disciple the next generation. To where now at South, I don't even worry about them because as soon as freshmen walk in, that's the first thing they're being embraced with. That's the gospel, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you want that wherever you go. You want that structure of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I think as a ministry team, we've been praying, like we, we do a prayer walk first Thursday of every month at 7 a.m., 
outside Weaver if you want to come join us. Hmm. Um, and we, from the get-go, since August before students walked on this campus, we pray, Lord, we want to see salvation on this campus. Yes, we want people to, to go and have great careers. We want great relationships. We want people to enjoy their time on this beautiful campus. But more so than anything, we want people to be engaged by the gospel. Hmm. We want them to grapple with the gospel. We want them to be saved. Hmm. And we've seen that. Like I, I've, I've witnessed that firsthand on this campus. Hmm. And there is nothing on God's green earth that's greater than that. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, just that that affirmation that he's still in the saving business. You know, we have been in a really unprecedented season of life of seeing a lot of loss um, in the wake of COVID. Um, we've seen a lot of just hurt. Mm. We've, we've seen more tears in our office than I think we've seen in, in years combined, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but that isn't to negate that the fact that the Lord is still he who he still is who he is and he's still in the saving business, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's been really, really encouraging to see. Yeah. And the university, well, as far as like university is good at building leaders up and even yeah. this semester, even though chapel is online, yeah. and I mean, anybody could probably just like watch it and then yeah. not pay attention. Yeah. There's still other opportunities as far as like, you know, taking the theology classes. Yeah. But as far as, having that community of believers and knowing that we're all different in every way. We have different skills and stuff. And so it gives people the opportunity to use those skills for his kingdom. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there's times where I, you know, I just totally like forget that God has done so much for me within this season of my life. And, you know, being able to sit back and reflect and just know that he's done all this and he's going to do more. Yeah. And you just got to trust. And that's really, for me, being I'm an impatient person mm-hmm. and so Aren't he's just he's just been teaching me to be more patient and just trust and I know a lot of people be like oh you gotta trust the Lord and everything and I was like yeah you do but you still gotta apply yeah yeah you absolutely. still gotta work towards your goals and that's what a lot of people just when they question it they say oh well what has God been doing for me I was like well what have you been doing yeah, for God it's yeah. a good word it's yeah. a good word there yeah go on and preach it <laughs> yeah but yeah no it's 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 great to see all the stuff that has happened this semester alone, even in athletics, because like we just uh, men's soccer just um, made runner up for the yeah. NIA champions. Yeah, they did. I'm so glad you worded it that way. You know, like I think it'd be so easy to to, to word it otherwise, but like they are ranked second nationally. Yes. Now, that is a massive deal. You know, mm-hmm. like only people that have traveled through Mobile or go – have family in Mobile, like know about Mobile, you know, like yeah. they have well and truly put this city on the map and I couldn't be more proud of them mm-hmm. for it. And I mean, they've, they've done such, and I say I'm biased because my roommates are on the soccer team. Yeah, yeah. But like, I know them I, from like a different level than I would a few years ago yeah. when I was just an undergrad and I wasn't rooming yeah. with. And just seeing them on and off the field, yeah. they're really great people. And yeah. that's just, that's just a men's soccer. Like I see potential in all the athletic for sure. teams. And so seeing them do that and, Put their name, put the University of Mobile's name out there is really great. And even yeah. Rodrigo making the top ten on Sports yeah. Center was just crazy. Right. And I was I was watching that Sports Center highlight and and I was so surprised that he said mobile and not mobile. Because yeah. there's no way he'd have heard of us before, you know? And exactly. so like yeah, just I can't commend those boys enough and Coach Bestie and the staff, like mm-hmm. the way they've carried themselves throughout the semester. Like that's a championship team, you know, like oh, yeah. that's, it's not just about the silverware. It's about the integrity. It's about the character. Mm-hmm. And those boys are second to none. Yeah. And I could say the same for you when you were 
when you had your surgery and you were still helping, you were still technically, I say you were coaching on the sideline. Nah. Not not anything against the coaching <laughs> at all. Yeah. But like seeing you, you were on your crutches behind the fence and yeah. the game was going on and you were rooting for your teammates and just telling them what they need to do. It spoke a lot about your character and being a true uh, leader. What's, what captain? Yes, yeah. being true captain about that. I mean, I, I've just always been of of the understanding that you can't turn that off and you can't fake it. And mm. if you do it, it'll run out eventually. You know, like I think the way that I was raised and and the the leaders that I've been fortunate enough to be led by, mm-hmm. um, it's it's integral to to who you are as a person. And so, I mean, yeah, you can't switch that off. And and I believe wholeheartedly, almost to a fault, that, you know, everyone that you encounter deserves like 100% of you, whatever mm-hmm. 100% looks like in that season. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just, I, I, I can't function in a way that shortchanges myself or others from an experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really about, you know, giving 110% in everything you do. That's right. And a lot of people like to, just get lazy yeah, and just be like, oh, it's whatever. It's yeah. like when it's, it turns into a plastic ball, like your analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just understanding that and knowing that, you know, you have a purpose and you got to use it. Absolutely. And so, like now, what do you think the future holds for you? This is another loaded question. That's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I say whatever, whatever I'm about to say tentatively, because Mm -hmm. had you asked me five years ago, had you asked me four years ago, had you asked me three years ago, Mm. um, answer would have been completely different. And so I would be crazy to say that I want it a knowing that the Lord's answer is going to be so much better than whatever I imagine. Um, but in my finite mind, um, I would love to graduate from here. I mean, of I've, course. I've, worked, I've worked far too hard not to. <laughs> um, I would love to graduate from here, um, mm-hmm. which would be an awesome achievement for myself and my family, for everyone that supported me. Um, and then I don't think I'm done with academia. Mm-hmm. I would love to go and pursue uh, my doctorate. Um, and we joke about it in the office of, oh, yeah, Abby, we'll let you go and, and do whatever it is as long as it's online. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, there's that like bittersweet aspect of, hey, like to do whatever's next that may not be here, you know, like we don't currently offer the doctoral program of what I want to study. Mm-hmm. But who's to, who's to say that's not going to change? But mm-hmm. uh, for now, I'm, I'm really, really intent on seeing out my time at Mobile in a way that I can look back and not have any regrets. I mm. think that was what I wanted from when I left South. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true of wherever I go. Like I don't wanna to look back and think I, I left something in the tank or mm. um, think what if, or think um, that there was someone who was supposed to have gotten something from me that in that moment I wasn't able or willing to give. And so, um, yeah, really wanting to to, to hone in on, on what the Lord has called me to do in this season mm-hmm. um, and and do that well and, and see the Lord's hand in all of that for sure. Mm. And I know like a lot of people don't want to see you go here. Mm. And I mean, that's and that's a good thing because a lot of people, when, when, you, when you're able to make an impact somewhere and they don't want you to leave, that says a lot about your character. Yeah, it also speaks a lot of the institution because um, it'd be easy it'd be easy for anyone, in my opinion, in a post-COVID world to fly under the radar. Mm. I mean, we've just been indoctrinated with, you know, stay apart, like 
human beings who are innately created for relationship mm. have been told not to be relational. Mm. We've been told to isolate. We've been told to, uh, we've been told that being together is, is detrimental to potentially someone's health. You know, like mm -hmm. we've been almost scared into being with one another. Yep. Um, so for an institution, a faculty, a staff, um, students, to be willing to know and be known, A, but also call out God's glory in the way that he's wired you mm -hmm. is so encouraging for anyone that's here, you know, and and be willing to offer you opportunities to excel in the way that the Lord has called you. Um, I, I'm, I'm more grateful than my words can even say, you know, and so wherever I go from here and whenever that is, I go with, you know, the seal of, of UM just really imprinted on my heart, knowing that they've played a, such a massive role in mm -hmm. the formation of who I am and, and whatever I do next. Mm. Well, that was an excellent question. I it will, was a great question. My bad, not an excellent question. It was an excellent was answer. A great question. Sorry. No, but <laughs> I think that really wraps up this episode. Yeah. You know, Abby, I'm really thankful that to know you and to see the impact that you're making at the University of Mobile. And there's not a doubt in my mind that everybody else can agree that you're going to make an impact wherever you go because your heart is pure and you know your intentions are pure. And I know guys... God has his hand on you mm -hmm. and for your future. And with that being said, is there any questions that you have for me? Um, talk this, to me, yeah, no, talk to me a little bit. Let me put you on the hot seat. Talk oh, to me a little great. bit about your vision for this podcast. I love that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's absolutely a gap in all that we have, all of our outlets for it. Mm -hmm. I think it is awesome that athletics um just have the vision for it but yeah i want to hear like your heart behind this platform and what you want to see happen with it okay so uh when i was getting my undergrad i was a part of the music department yeah flawless really great music department i loved mm. every aspect of it and then i transitioned over to athletics for my graduate assistantship and i'm like they have like no real media no type of right and well you have social media and that's it really yeah, 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 yeah. and articles and so i'm trying to branch out just to like, because if because on my uh, graduate assistant bio, I was like, I want these athletes to be known, not just because they played the sport. That's it's awesome. more than just playing the sport. It's oh, known so the person. Good. And so it's just like people like you. And I know all these getting to know all these athletes this semester. And I knew some of them prior is just knowing that they have a voice and they have good intentions. But nobody sees that yeah. because, I mean, everybody looks at the stats. So, and so the intentions is just getting these athletes on here to speak and just get to know them and get to know and uh, sharing that with the world. And so, cause you never know, they might one, take the episode, share it, somebody hear it, get inspired, yeah, right, get closer to God yeah. or uh, willing to uh, apply for the university mobile, just see what it's about. Yeah. And that's really it. Cause it's really, I, I like to think of it as um, I don't care about how many people see it. I don't care about me. I care about that one person Absolutely. being inspired. Absolutely. And so I don't want, I'm not technically using the athletes as uh, a way to get those people inspired. I don't want to say using, it's just using them as a servant yeah, of Christ Absolutely. to find other people that need help. You make an incredible point about seeing the person beyond the sport. I mm -hmm. think um, following the championship game yesterday, that's something I think that's been on my heart and I know a lot of the staff. Um, just the reality of like, hey, that might have been a lot of those guys as seniors, mm -hmm. they're, they're the end of their career, you know, yeah. like a great ending to a great career, I'm sure. 
But again, we've spoken a lot about transitions. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has as seamless a transition as I had, you know, like mm-hmm. not everyone's ready to be done with the sport. And where a lot of people um, grow up almost equating their identity with their success in sport, mm-hmm. that leaves them in a really hard place when they're no longer an athlete, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, you're an athlete, in my opinion, for the rest of your life. Like once you've earned your stripes, you're an athlete. But um, but yeah, not doing that day in, day out, not having that schedule, not having that camaraderie of your team, mm-hmm. where do you go from there? And I've seen so many athletes at the end of their careers, either by decision or time or injury, that's been really, really hard for them. And so oh, yeah. I think this is awesome, just you even having that heart posture of wanting to serve the person mm-hmm. beyond their service. You know, like a lot of times, and I'm really passionate about that, just the reality that we consume athletes for their talent and yeah, then yeah. we kind of push the person to the side sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, just really awesome that you'd be wanting to see them and know that they are known and invite that person to the table, not just their stats, not just their talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I would say is, is much needed. And again, the place of this podcast, just knowing that athletes, there is so much more than your sport and you are so much more than your sport. Exactly. Sure.